We're in the book of Galatians, and uh, we're going to be reading Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through uh, uh, 9, 6, 7, 8, and 9. The Apostle Paul writing to these Galatian believers, they had professed faith in Jesus, and uh, yet some of them were beginning to uh, kind of drift back into the old Jewish lifestyle and began to believe that Judaism was the answer. They had had some false teachers who had come and talked to them and said, first of all, that Paul is not really an apostle, which was terrible. I know how hurtful that would be. And then the second thing, they said, well, Paul gave you uh, a wrong idea. I mean, in order for you to be right with God, you've got to keep all the Jewish laws. And you've got to become a Jew first, and then you can become a believer in Jesus as the Messiah. And Paul had made it clear to them that, uh, that Jesus' death on the cross was sufficient that he had paid the full price and that nothing else was required but absolute confident faith in him. And so uh, uh, when he got word that these false teachers had come and were teaching them that there was another way to be right with God, another gospel, they called it, and uh, uh, he was... Uh, appalled. He was astonished. He was amazed and he was angry. And he wrote the letter that we call the letter of the book of Galatians, but it's actually a letter. And he wrote this letter to them. And after giving just a brief word of greeting, he says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. said, I'm just shocked, I'm amazed that you are, are leaving the gospel and turning to another gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we, that is me and Barnabas, the ones that came there in the first place, even if we are an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one that we preach to you, let him be accursed. And by the way, in the Greek, that word for accursed is one of the strongest words of condemnation that you find anywhere in ancient Greek literature. As we say, as we have said before, so now I say again, he said, if you didn't get it, First time I said it, I just want to say it again. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one that you have received, then let him be accursed. And by the way, whenever in the Greek, whenever the Greeks repeated something, uh, it was to give special emphasis to it. It's like when Jesus would say, truly, truly, I say to you. Or when they would say, uh, Simon, Simon, or Martha, Martha. You know, it was a way of, of really, really focusing direct attention. So, I'm going to talk to you this morning about, uh, and, and you know, and I was thinking as I was walking my dog this morning, I thought, you know, uh, I'm really preaching to the choir today. Probably everybody that's here 
is just going to agree with everything I say today. Oh, I hope you do anyway, you know. But even, uh, uh, but, uh, so I, sometimes Satan does this to me. Sometimes Satan will say, nobody needs that sermon. You've prepared this message. You're going to preach a sermon. Nobody even needs it. And uh, I have to say, well, now, wait a minute. I still need it. And I've been a Christian for going on almost 60 years. And I still need to be reminded of the validity and the singularity of the true gospel of Jesus Christ. So I just renounced the devil this morning. I was walking my dog. My dog thought I was mad at her, I think. I was saying, just get out of here, devil. And my dog looked like, what did I do? What did I do? I said, well, I'm not talking to you, Buffy. I'm talking to the devil. And uh, I have a lot of fun, me and Jesus and Buffy, in the mornings when we go for a walk. And uh, so I just, uh, I, I realize that this is going to be a confirming message for to people who already uh, believe the gospel. Now, I just want to say that there are a lot of temporal problems in this sinful world. Ever since sin came into the world, everything just got all warped out of shape and messed up. Isn't that the truth? And I mean, we have physical problems, serious physical problems. Joyce, we just continue to pray for you. And I know, I know, I, I, I can't know how discouraging it has to be to have the kind of challenge that you're facing right now and others in the church. There are physical problems in our world, uh, medical problems. There are, uh, there are financial problems, serious financial problems. There are occupational problems, people that lose their jobs and they don't know what they're going to do. There are emotional problems. There are marital problems. There are relational problems. There are just all kinds of problems in this world. But all of those are temporal problems. That is, they're temporary. A hundred years from now, you won't have any of those problems. Right? That's right. A hundred years from now, some of the things that are really, really bothering you a lot right now won't bother you at all. It'll all be overdone. It'll all be said and done. It's like saying about it. And, and uh, so, all, and I'm not saying these problems aren't serious. They are serious. Uh, we're leaving this Tuesday to go to uh, Alabama, kind of a unplanned trip because my wife's mother, who's 97, her husband, who is 84, is having a heart cath uh, and and possibly heart surgery, and uh, we need to be there to kind of uh, do whatever we can. And so, so I'm not saying these problems aren't serious. They are serious, and they are they are uh they take a lot of our uh, uh energy and a lot of our focus don't they and god is interested in those god wants to uh sometimes he wants to solve those problems calm the storm sometimes he just wants to calm us in the storm so those i'm not saying those kinds of problems aren't important they are important and they're the kind we live with day after day but there is Another problem that won't be solved a hundred years from now, and that is the problem of our eternal destiny, our spiritual problem. And everybody has a spiritual problem, starts off with a spiritual problem. 
everybody is separated from God because we're sinners. And the Bible says your sins have separated between you and God. And the Bible tells us that we are not only sinners, but that in our natural state, we are dead in trespasses and sin. Not just sick, not just weak. We are actually cut off from God because we are sinners. Not just because we live in a sinful world, but because we ourselves are sinners. All have sinned and come short of the glory. That's a serious problem. Because the Bible says that the wages of sin, the cost of sin, the penalty for sin is death. And not just physical death. It is eternal separation from God. Now that's an awful, awful thing to think about, isn't it? Listen, when people die, they don't just cease to exist. Their body dies, but they continue on. Everybody. Nobody dies in the sense of just passing into oblivion. When, when you die, that part of you that makes you, you, keeps on living. And it's going to live somewhere. And it's going to live either in heaven or it's going to live in hell. And both of them are called eternal destinies. And when a person dies without faith in Christ and goes to hell, they stay there forever. They never get out. Jesus himself in a parable, said there's a great gulf fixed between these two places. And those who are there can never come here. And those who are here will never go there. It's a serious thing, isn't it? It's a serious thing. I mean, all of our problems, all of our temporal problems, are really insignificant compared our eternal problem. Where will you go when you die? That's a big, big issue, isn't it? Now, Satan focuses on false solutions for that eternal problem. That's what this letter to the Galatians is all about, is that Paul had gone to these people and had given them the actual truth about how to be born again, how to be saved, how to be right with God, and how to, by faith, have total confidence that when you die, you're going to go to heaven. And then along comes false teachers, and they begin to put in a, a false solution, a false gospel. Now, I'm telling you, that's the devil's method. That's the devil's motive. That's the devil's uh, uh, plan is to get people to believe anything other than the truth about how to go to heaven when you die. And so uh, uh, Satan wants to give false solutions to an eternal problem. That makes sense. 
He gives us the wrong directions. Before I was saved, I was a car hop at a little restaurant that we owned called the Pig Pen Drive-In. Sounds nasty, doesn't it? But it was called that because we specialized in pork barbecue, and so people would come from Memphis even to come to our place to get the best pork barbecue in West Tennessee, and it really was the best. And uh, But it was during that period of time that I was going through some of my worst. I was not a Christian. And I was going through some of my worst anger, frustration, and I really just came to despise people because that was the only folks that came to our restaurant was people. And uh, we didn't have any pigs that came, but we had people that came, and, and I had, as a car hop, I would have to go out and wait on these people, take their orders, and then bring them back to them, hope they'd give me a tip, you know. And some of them were just nasty. Some of them were just mean. And especially some of the boys my own age. They'd come and they seemed to take delight, especially if it was raining. And me standing there with my little crepe paper hat on and feeling it melt in my hair. And then they're saying, well, what do you want to their girlfriend? I don't know. What do you want? know what what you got on the menu i mean the menu's printed right up there and i say you know barbecue hamburger ham ham and cheese hot dog fried egg blt and uh say you know what do you want i don't know what do you want and i'm just standing there and i'm just getting madder and madder and i tell you i was so filled with anger and rage during that particular period of time that i just wanted to do things to get back at people so one day a car stopped at our little pig pen drive-in, and this guy said, I'm trying to get to the post office. Can you tell me how to get to the post office? Obviously, he wasn't from around there. So I gave him very detailed directions to the city dump. <laughs> I've repented of it, okay. But as I watched him drive off, I thought, ha, 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 ha. He's going to follow my directions thinking he's going to the post office and I'd love to see his face when he pulls in to the smelly, stinky city dump. Now you can't think your pastor ever would have done anything like that, would you? But as I've thought of it, I, I, think, I, I think about that, I think, you know, there are a lot of people who say, how do I get to heaven? And the devil gives them wrong directions. And he tells them detailed ways, knowing that it's going to end them up, not in heaven, but in the pit of hell, the eternal city dump, the uh, Gehenna. That was the name of of the dump, the city dump. In Jerusalem was Gehenna, and that's one of the words the Bible uses for hell. And Satan loves to give false directions to people who need clear directions. And it's a serious thing. There was a man in the Bible who uh, had a bumper crop. He was successful. 
And uh, he said, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down all my barns, and I'll build bigger barns, and I will fill my barns, and I will say, now, soul, you just eat and drink and relax. Make yourself happy because you've got more than enough. And God said to that man, you fool. Tonight, you're going to die. And then whose will all these things be? Your soul is going to be required of you tonight. Jesus said to another, in another place, what will it profit a man if he were to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? So there are a lot of preachers today, on television especially, but other places as well, who say, you know, what, what God wants for you is for you to have plenty of everything, for you to be rich, for you to be healthy, for you to be prosperous, for you to have fame, for you to have this and this and this and this. But they don't preach the gospel. They don't tell people how to be right with God. And so as a result of that, there are some churches, huge, huge, mega churches, that are filling, filling with people who say, what I want is wealth. What I want is money. What I want is prosperity. And they may get it. And by the way, the devil's a strategist. He wouldn't mind you going to hell from a penthouse. He wouldn't mind you going to hell driving a Lexus. He wouldn't mind you going to hell with billions of dollars in your account. But Jesus is concerned about you going to heaven and Paul says, look, I've preached to you the true gospel, and I am amazed that you're following a false way. Years ago, there was a movie that came out um, that I enjoyed watching. It was called The Poseidon Adventure. Have you ever seen that movie, The Poseidon Adventure? It's a story about this ship, cruise ship, that... Uh, a tidal, a, a tidal wave hit it and flipped it upside down. And so it's, it's floating upside down in the ocean. And, of course, everything that was on the floor is now on what used to be the ceiling. You just kind of picture it. Everything's upside down. And there were these uh, people who were trying to escape. They were still alive, of course, in the ship. It hadn't sunk, and... And they said, well, we have to get out. And so they started trying to make their way to the deck. Well, now, where's the deck? It's on the bottom. And there is another group, the, the actual heroes of the, of the movie. This man is saying, no, we have to go to the bottom of the ship. 
because the bottom of the ship is on top. And if we can get to the bottom, then perhaps there's the possibility that somebody could rescue us by cutting into the bottom of the ship and get us out. That makes sense, I see it. Well, there was this one group that said, no, we have to go to the deck. And the other man, the, the hero, was saying, no, we have to go to the bottom. And so this one group, they, they went on off trying to head to the deck of the ship, and they all perished. And the other group who went just opposite, just what seemed backwards, they went to the bottom of the ship, which is now at the top, and sure enough, a rescuer comes and cuts them out, and they get out okay. Is that the way the story went? Seemed like that. Any of you saw it, I think that's the way it went. I couldn't remember exactly how they got out, but but they, they were rescued. And as I watched that movie, and I do this with any movie I watch, I always look for gospel parallels, and I said, man, that group is like the devil. That man was like the devil, saying, follow me, and I'll lead you to safety, but he's leading them in the exact wrong direction. And the man who's saying, no, let's go to the bottom of the ship didn't seem to make sense. But he was leading them in the right direction. And I thought that's exactly what's happening to a lot of people today. Because we live in an upside-down world, don't we? And what seems right to some people is wrong. The Bible says there is a way that seems right to a man. But the end of that way is death. And so Paul says, here is the right way. The right way is by faith in Jesus Christ. I want you to listen to this passage out of 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 through 15. Now, I know... uh, Stephanie's up there. It's Second Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 through 15. She's taking Brad's place today. There you go. For such men are false apostles. By the way, he's talking about people who are preaching a lot of these prosperity gospel messages today. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder. For even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants, that is Satan's servants, also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, their end will correspond to their deeds. Listen, what Paul is saying in Galatians is be careful who you listen to. Be careful who you listen to. There are some false apostles, false teachers, 
who are teaching a false gospel. And uh, if you follow that way, you perish. You perish. What are, well, we could just talk about a lot of different false gospels today, but one of the false gospels is that you have to be good enough and work hard enough and have enough good works in order to go to heaven. And by the way, the Bible is not against good works. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that, uh, that by grace we've been saved through faith, not of works, we're not saved by works, but we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. But it's important that you get the prepositions right there. By grace, through faith, unto good works. But the false gospel says you have enough good works and you won't need grace or faith. You can work your way into heaven. That was the false gospel. These people came and said to Paul's new believers, it is not by grace through faith in Christ, it is by religious activity and works which you do that get you into heaven. And Paul said, I can't believe that you're falling for that. Now, let me ask you, what, what, what's the difference? The gospel, here's the gospel, that Christ died for our sins. He died for us. He was buried and he rose again. And he gives eternal life. He gives eternal life to all who will trust in him alone. But to those who trust in their own works rather than his work, they get nothing. They get nothing. That's the gospel. And the true gospel is the only gospel that totally glorifies God. Because if I believe that I have earned my salvation, then I get the glory for it. I know I've used this illustration before. Let me use it one more time. Let's say that uh, John over here, this John, either either John, uh, first, second, or third John, either one, but I was thinking of, of this John, John Reamer. He came to me one day and he said, uh, Brother Nick, would you like to have a, a new car? And I said, yeah, mine's kind of wearing out. I, I need." He said, what kind of car do you like? And I said, oh, I, I like it. He said, uh, how about a Lexus? Not a Lexus, but a Lexus. And I said, oh, yeah, but I could never afford a Alexis, he said, well, it's no problem. I got plenty of money. He said, uh, said I'm going to buy you a new car, a new Lexus. And he said, I'm going to get the top of the model, $100,000 car. I, I don't know. Do they cost that much? Yeah, they, 
Huh? Okay. Well, let's say he's getting a real fancy kind of gold-plated and all that. It's a $100,000 car. And he says, I'm going to buy you a new car. And I said, oh, John, man, that's nice, but I don't want you to. I don't think it's right for you, for me not to help. He said, no, I, it's a gift. It's just giving you as a gift. So he takes you down to the Lexus dealer. He picks out the car. He buys it for me. We start out the parking lot. I said, John, I really appreciate this, but, but man, I can't let you. I just can't let you do that. And I reach my pocket, and I pull out a dollar. And I said, here, I want to help with it. I want to. I know you've paid 100000 but I, I want to give you a dollar so I can. He said, okay. So I come driving up here to church next Sunday. Everybody comes out, looks at my new car, and they say, wow, man, where'd you get that car? And I say, me and John bought it. <laughs> That'd be right, wouldn't it? Yeah, it'd be right, because I'd contributed a little bit. And everybody would say, well, man, you and John did a good job. Well, I'm going to tell you, there are a lot of people Jesus says, look, I want to give you a free gift. I'm paying for it completely in full. And they say, now, Jesus, I, can't, I just can't take it as a gift. I want to at least contribute my little part so that when I get to heaven and somebody says to me, how'd you get here? I can say, me and Jesus. He gets a lot of credit, but I get some credit. And Paul says, no, that's not the gospel. You don't get any credit. You get salvation, but you don't get any credit. You don't get any praise. You can't even boast at all. You just have to say, it's all to the glory of God. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Listen to this passage. This is a lengthy passage out of Ephesians chapter 1. Listen to how it magnifies the grace of God. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him, that is in Christ, before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestinated, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Notice how it's all to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Let's just go ahead and read the rest of the chapter. In him, that is in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished. Don't you love that word? Which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time 
to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be, what, to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire the full possession of it to the praise of his glory. We'll just stop right there. Isn't it? But you notice three times he says, it's all to the praise of his glory. He gets all the glory. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. Amen. I say, isn't that wonderful? Amen. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. All right. I knew if I milked it long enough, I'd get some amen from more of it. Yes, it's glorious. That it is, this is the only gospel that gives him all the glory. Any other gospel tries to rob some of the glory from God and give part of it to me. So, it's the only gospel that gives God all the glory. It's the only gospel that gives us genuine peace. We can never have complete peace if we were trusting in ourself. I talked to an 80-year-old woman a couple of weeks ago, one of the sweetest ladies I know, and I believe she's a, gen- a, a great Christian, but she said, I just have no peace in my heart because she said, I just don't know whether I'm good enough to go to heaven. And I said, ma'am, You are not good enough to go to heaven. I'll just settle that for you right now. You're just not good enough to go to heaven at all. As a matter of fact, you deserve to go to hell. She looked a little shocked. But I said, here's the good news. Jesus is good enough. And he took all your sin and paid for it and he gives you all of his righteousness and she said that is good news yeah that is good news but if you believe that somehow or another your salvation rests on you you'll never have peace Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope. Of the glory of God. That's where we get peace. Not only is it the only gospel that 
gives God all the glory. Not only is it the only gospel that uh, gives us genuine peace, it's the only gospel that gives us full assurance. It's the only gospel that we can have complete assurance. And it's the only gospel that magnifies God's grace alone. And it's the only gospel. (laughs) It's just the only gospel. Any other gospel is not a gospel. Paul said, not that there is any other gospel. And he said, look, if I were to come to you next week, or some angel showed up next week and told you there was some other way to get to heaven except through Jesus, let him be accursed. And I'm telling you, if anybody comes to you personally or on television or anywhere else and says, here's the gospel. God wants you wealthy, healthy, famous, important. And you trust in him and he'll give you all these things, but they don't talk about salvation. They don't talk about grace. They don't talk about faith. They don't talk about Christ. You run from that. You run from that. And you say, here's the only gospel. Christ died for me. He lived the life that I couldn't live. He died the death that I deserve to die. And now he gives to me freely the gift of eternal life. And this is the only gospel that gives us that kind of assurance. The Apostle Paul said, I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed to him against that day. The Apostle John says, we write these things unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. (laughs) Not that you may hope, but that you may know, not that you will have, but that you do have eternal life. That's the good news. That's the gospel. Well, everybody here already knew that, didn't you? But it ain't good to hear it over and over again. You know what? I know that my wife loves me. She's been married to me for 53 years now. I have zero doubt that she loves me. But you know, I love to hear her tell me she loves me. Even though I already know it. I love to hear it. And I know that you know that Jesus died for your sins and that he gives you eternal life. Don't you just love to hear it again and again and again and again? So do I. Have you trusted him? Are you still trying to please him? Are you still hoping that somehow or another you're going to do enough that God's going to say, okay, you've you've made a at least a C plus, and that's passing. 
I'll let you into heaven. Are you still trying? Are you trusting? Stop trying. Stop trying to be good enough to go to heaven. Trust in the one who was good enough and is good enough. And after you trust him, then you let his goodness flow into you and through you. You still do good works, but you do them as a result of salvation, not as a means for salvation. That's a big, big difference. By grace, through faith, unto good works. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the only gospel. And I know that there are those who claim that an angel came to them and gave them another gospel, a different gospel. And I say with Apostle Paul, let them be accursed. And if I were to preach any other gospel, any other means by which people could be right with you, then I would ask that I be accursed. But I pray that we will hear, receive, and believe the good news that Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried, and that on the third day he rose again. And now he gives to us freely the gift of eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website, www.bearcreekbaptist.org If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless you.